it really hit me. <laughs> and I was going to say that as the eagle actually nearly hit me. But it was actually such a revelation because I think for, for me, my, my kind of understanding, and this relates to, to praying into a relationship with God, is that this is something that comes natural. You know, you just, once you're set free, once you have a relationship with God, boom, you know, it's all of a sudden you're kind of soaring in the heights. And I think that for a lot of people, that is the expectation, that is the pressure. But here are disciples that are walking around with Jesus and they're saying, you know, we need to learn something here. So they actually have this relationship, but beyond the relationship, there is a, a breadth and a depth that needs to be to be learned. Welcome to Calling a City to Life podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow and welcome to 2024. Ian, how was 2023 for you? Uh, that's a massive question. I think the main quick short fire answer to that is quick wasn't that a quick, a quick year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do seem to speed up. I don't really understand. I think there is something wrong with the space-time continuum because I'm sure time is speeding up. Brody, how was 2023 for you? I'm trying to remember that far back. <laughs> time, time speeds up because the older you get, the more divisions of time you've experienced. Oh, philosophical, we're only one sentence into the show. <laughs> Can you say that in Greek for us, Brody? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jack, we shared 2023. Did I ask how it was? <laughs> well, I'm more thinking that we should be pausing for a moment and contemplating that, given what Brody's just said, that changes for you significantly tomorrow oh, because you have a significant behave. birthday. Sorry. Behave. Yes, send cake and presents. So anybody who's listened to this on Sunday, yeah, just bring me all your gifts. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yes. For only being 21, Richard, you must have had a hard paper round. I, I did have an incredibly hard paper round. Back in those days, papers were heavy. Oh, yeah. You know, the su Sunday, the Sunday supplements. Times. Yeah, been there, done <laughs> Don't do that. that anymore. <laughs> anyway, yes, enough of that. Uh, so, uh, just quick podcast updates, because some things have changed. You may notice now that uh, when you listen to the Sunday Sermon, if you listen to it on Spotify, you will also see video. And if you watch it on YouTube, you will also see video for the Sunday portion of the podcast for the talk. We're not yet brave enough to expose you to what it is that we wear. We just leave it to your imaginations as to what we're wearing when we, when we do this podcast. So we have also started uh, a new series and the new series, which I think will be seven or eight weeks, take us up to Easter perhaps. Is that right, Ian? Um, just a little bit before Easter. Um, Easter is super early uh, this year, but um, we are not going all the way to Easter with this. We've got some other surprises in store, hopefully. Excellent. Uh, but we've started a new season on prayer, specifically going through the Lord's Prayer. So I will kick us off our first question. Is this be, is, does the sec... Can I ask a question? Why haven't you let Ian have a sec the second summary? Oh, yes, that's a good point. Very good point. Change of format. Thank you. <laughs> so before we go any further, Ian, give us a 60 second summary of what you spoke about on Sunday. All right, I forgot that we do this too. So there we go, just me and <laughs> so you, did Richard. I, but I um, edited out that bit. <laughs> we forgetting. <laughs> so yeah, our 60 seconds summary. Um, prayer is uh, a way of life. It's how we are uh, shaped in relation to, to God, our Father. And uh, the Lord's Prayer is really the disciples' prayer given to us as his gift to us to shape our lives for living in, in harmony with God. So we were just at the very uh, initial context of it in Matthew 6. Um, interestingly, in Luke's version of it, he says, teach us to pray, or the disciples ask to be taught to pray. And so Jesus gives some context about the nature of prayer, that it's something that is about being real, something about being straightforward and simple, and it's something about intimate relationship with the Father. I think that's roughly what I said on Sunday. It sounds familiar. It sounds like that's what you said. That's my memory of it. Okay, first question. Is the Lord's Prayer part of the Beatitudes from before? Is this being spoken to a large crowd still? Or is this now down to the disciples? Where, where does this come on? Because chapter 5, large crowd, Beatitudes, the bits we all know. 
does it continue? Is this being spoken to everybody, or is this just the disciples, as you maybe say, saying, "Jesus, teach us how to pray"? Were the Beatitudes spoken to everybody, Richard? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have as uh, there was a large crowd gathered, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. No, uh, so there was a large crowd gathered, uh-huh. and then it says, after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Mm-hmm. And then he speaks the Beatitudes. So he doesn't necessarily speak the Beatitudes to the large crowd. It's a little ambiguous. We need we need a senior pastor ambiguous. to guide us in this one. <laughs> senior pastor, big crowd yeah. or little crowd, or doesn't really matter. I'm not sure that it really matters because it's certainly intended as something that was to be used by anybody who was a follower. Um, you know, so I think. Um, this for me is is the heart of Jesus um spirituality if you like and and how he intends for anybody who seek to follow him to live so i think as with any of these conversations that Jesus has there are people who are in the core in the center now some of that might be the 12 but the disciples are not just simply the 12 there are others um who are in that wider community as well so that's quite hard to define uh, anyway, um, and then you have other people who are on the margins a little bit more, maybe some people who are hangers on. So really, there are always these concentric circles um, of people who surround Jesus and, and who are being invited to follow and invited to, to deepen their life in God through relationship with Jesus. So is that me saying all of the above, possibly? <laughs> See, the reason for asking that is that... There's clearly, like, if you were to go and stand in the street in Glasgow and say, let me teach you how to pray, everybody would look at you weirdly to start off with. Probably some of the Christians would look at you weirdly as well. But clearly in this, there's, like, it's not questioned that we should be praying. Clearly, everybody is praying. They just aren't sure how they should be. Or there's hundreds of different varieties because of various styles of worship, worshipping other gods, all the rest of it's going on. So clearly a prayer life is not foreign. It is just the what is prayer about? Can you contextualise what's going on within the, the culture around? I mean, the rabbis were expected to teach people to pray and mm. Jesus is presenting himself as a, as a rabbi and as a teacher. Um, so this would be a fairly um, normal question for a rabbi. Though, um, if you were to look at some of the, the context in, in, in the Jewish rabbis, then there were many, many prayers and many of them were, um, were there to be learned kind of verbatim. So really, what is, um, what, what is really challenging about this is, is how distinctive and different it is from the context. So Jesus is, is not offering a, a complex uh, or extended uh, rote to be learned, but he's actually offering this very simple, direct structure for praying, which... Um, is much more relational than what would have been um, available to other people through other rabbis. So I think there is a very distinct contrast between what is being presented here and what would have been familiar to people. But is what's being presented here fundamentally different from what was in the Old Testament, but that it's just got out of control and been adapted by the rabbis over, over history? You know, can we look at the Lord's Prayer and see where that all comes from in the Old Testament? Like, was there a, a pattern of prayer that's similar to this that was just, you know, delegitimized by the rabbinic culture that surrounded it and it became legalistic and all the rest of it? So there's a, Or is there something pat- new? Yeah, so there's a, as Ian says, there's a pattern of prayer that grows out and it would have grown out from the Shema of the, the Confession, you know, uh, the Lord your God is is one. Um, worship the Lord your God with uh, all your strength, all your mind, all your your heart. Um, but we know that Jesus kind of like takes these traditions and says, um, "Yes, but no, but yes." 
um, that there's something more here. I think key and and you know where Ian was on on um, Sunday morning because we we never actually got into the Lord's mm. Prayer. Of the big contrast there is one of posture. Um, amongst perhaps other contrasts of don't be like the hypocrites. So there's the the don't be like. Um, um, so there's some unlearning to do a, 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 there for the disciples and whoever else is, is, is listening of this isn't about <clears throat> being seen to be religious, but is something more um, authentic, something more uh, intimate than that. And then, you know, the, the, the big kind of like um, revolutionary thing in the Lord's prayer in many respects is, is the first words Abba our father um, but that's that's for next next week but certainly that that challenge of of, of posture um, I guess provokes in me and in us that moment of of um, self-reflection um, especially if you're praying in public um, um, of you know Am I trying to show off or am I genuinely speaking to God? You know, um, back to kind of like the illustration that, that Ian gave from Tony Campolo of, you know, I wasn't speaking to you anyway, I was speaking to God. Um, so there's that challenge of, of posture um, and of attitude. Ian, you led us off with the fat Geordie Eagle story, which I have to say was accompanied by the most wonderful graphic. That picture was fabulous. <laughs> um, it was a really useful analogy. And you talked about how the Lord's Prayer is a spiritual gym gymnasium. And I wondered if you could expand on that a bit, because what I was taking from that was the purpose of the Lord's Prayer to give us a framework, a place to start, to give us an easy in when so often we would struggle on our own to know how to begin. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I certainly found that over the years that, you know, there, you have personal interests, you have things that are of particular concern in it, and it's very easy to become absorbed in your own thing. So, you know, if you go to the gym, it might be that you you find the treadmill is your thing, and that's really easy, and then you kind of overdevelop your your thigh muscles or whatever but your you know your stomach's just a little bit flabby or whatever so you actually need to be stretched out to be completely um fit but also to be in completely in engaged with the breadth of god's concerns and i think one of the things that this prayer does is it starts off with that um intimate personal uh, vertical dimension of of who God is and who we are to God so that worshipful dimension it then moves into what you might want to describe as a kind of horizontal direction where we're thinking about God's kingdom and God's will and then you start looking at um, more the relational um, dimensions of life so um, our relationship with the resources that we have give us our daily bread, our relationship with other people. So it is very comprehensive, at least as a jumping off point for, for many things. Um, and actually, personally, um, I'm trying to get back into this, this this year, actually trying to pray this prayer and use it as a as a kind of scaffolding for, for other prayers. But back in the day when I used to run, um, actually, this was a great kind of structure to be praying as a kind of ran you know without without a script or anything in front of me but it kind of gave you you know a, a kind of direction to go and a kind of comprehensive focus um to cover a variety of things not that we cover the same thing you know every day but actually it kind of gave that uh, as i say sort of jumping off point for praying for the world for praying for resources for praying for personal relationships and all of that is not just about praying i think we kind of almost um sideline prayer is something apart from our relationship with God but actually this is just a a structure for developing that relationship there's an end in mind it's not just a gymnasium for the sake of of building our sort of 
personal capacity, but it's actually about for building relationship with God. I think it's up more than that as well. I wonder whether if the disciples had, rather than saying in, in Luke, you know, teach us how to pray, had said, teach us how to live, Jesus could have given the same answer. Pray this way. Because each of these um, headings, as it were, um, or scaffolding, uh, as Ian has said, hugely practical this is this is the summary of of discipleship and of the christian life of put god first seek his kingdom you know seek first the kingdom of god and everything else takes care of itself to paraphrase you know the centrality of of forgiveness um you know this is this is a structure for not just praying but a means by which we bring our prayer life and our everyday life together in 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 conjunction or harmony or, or whatever the, the 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 word is. So the challenge of the Lord's prayer is not just to say the words, but to live them. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just. I mean, I I just love that that quote. I think which is from um, Willie Barclay, um, which is about. This is a means by which we bring all of life before all of God, which is really what Brody's saying. It's about bringing our living into God's presence. Uh, and it's also about bringing all of God to all of life. So it's applying um, all that God is to, to all that um, life is around us. So, so it is absolutely comprehensive. And, but I think it reminds us that, that prayer is not something that's set apart. Prayer is... Well, that's the, the title of the series. Is it's, it's it's our breath. It's it's how we conduct ourselves in relation to God and the world, um, and and so therefore it is about our discipleship, as Brody says. The, the the question could quite as easily have been, how should we then live, and then the answer you know, would be would be the same. I think what was great about your uh, your Fat Geordie Eagles story was that. For so many of us, we feel like we're the injured bird and we are out of practice with things or that we don't know how, you know, we feel like there is an expectation that we should be running marathons and we feel like we can barely walk the the length of our gardens or whatever else would fit for your story. And I think that what so clearly is presented by, by the setup in this introduction to the Lord's Prayer is the simplicity of it all in that actually it doesn't require you to be anything other than who you are and to understand that there is there is time to to grow into all of this and that it doesn't you know if you were to fast for 40 days it would be inappropriate for you to suddenly have a three-course meal you know you would you would need to slowly get back you would need to slowly get back into that and I think that it is a lovely setup for us as an easy we are only required to come as ourselves and to come with all the things that are, I suppose they are, they are difficult. To be honest is difficult, but actually it's much easier to be yourself than it is to be somebody else and to be, you know, a, a hypocrite and to stand in a synagogue and try to say something all fancy. Actually, if all the pressure's taken off, it's made much easier. And so it all feels very welcoming and encouraging as an introduction. It actually feels like Jesus is saying, this is this is none of the things that you expect that it would be. It's all the opposite. Yeah, and I think kind of behind the story, because it, it it really hit me, and I was going to say that as the eagle actually nearly hit me, um, but physically <laughs> at the time. But it was actually such a revelation because I think for for me, my my kind of understanding, and this relates to to praying into a relationship with God, is that this is something that comes natural. You know, you just. Once you're set free, once you have a relationship with God, boom, you know, it's all of a sudden you're kind of soaring in the heights. And, and, and I think that for a lot of people, that is, that is the expectation, that is the pressure, that there's some sort of special um, impartation that we get from God that all of a sudden you're in the kingdom, so, you, so everything should just be really slick and you should know everything and have this really ongoing, um, profound relationship. But here are disciples that are walking around with Jesus and they're saying, you know, we need to learn something here. So they actually have this relationship, but beyond the relationship, there is a, a breadth and a depth that needs to be to be learned. And and that's actually that's it's more than okay. That that that's actually 
normal. Uh, that's our, what our spiritual development is is like, um, and and I think just you know there's a liberty in that that you know we're we shouldn't be experts and totally proficient just sort of by some automatic process that has happened. As point one, you said, keep it real and pray honestly. I wonder what both of your thoughts are on what stops us from praying honestly. I think I've referenced before a Stephanie Gretzinger song um, that's called Come Out of Hiding. And one of her lines is, you know, there's no need to hide what I already see. And I think for each one of us, I hope for each one of us, we appreciate that God knows anyway, even if we don't say it. But what is it that prevents us from saying to him or speaking out to him the things which we feel most deeply in our hearts? I think my initial response to that, um, I'm sure Brody can come in, but my initial response is that hypocrisy is not a lifestyle choice. Nobody sits around thinking, do you know what, I'd quite like to be a hypocrite. It, it's it's a reaction. Um, you know, it's it's a response to fear, anxiety, which drives us to conceal. And then we have to, um, you know, continue in this a kind of display behavior, which um, conceals kind of who we, who we really are. I, and so my kind of question is, so what are we afraid of? You know, and I think there is this thing where we're afraid to admit <laughs> that we are spiritually impoverished. And yet, you know, that's kind of the most obvious thing in, in the book. Um, but we d we're so desperate for the validation and affirmation from people that that we're kind of pushed into this position where we want to keep up appearances. We want to um, fit in and get the validation from other people. And I suppose my question to us all is, you know, is the appearance of spiritual maturity and depth better than the reality mm -hmm. of spiritual maturity and depth? And I think that's a really challenging question that I've found in my life is that, you know, the temptation to appear to be a particular thing because that means you fit in is actually very tempting um, and it excludes us mm -hmm. from the reality of, of, a, of a, a deeper, richer relationship. I suppose what's interesting about that, though, is that you that that can apply if you're praying publicly. So if you're being heard by others in what you're praying and you want to come across like you sound like a really together mature Christian who has it kind of all together um, or knows how to come to God seeming like you're all together. But in your private prayer, is it not also possible that we are capable of not being honest with God because we have other issues because I'm thinking for myself, one of the thoughts I had on Sunday was I am aware for myself that when it feels like things are going wrong or if it feels like I have messed up, I have a tendency to withdraw because I want to, to hide or because I feel shame or any, you know, you can all imagine the narrative that goes along with that. And so, but, but that's so foolish because God knows it all anyway. And so what is it? in us like it just feels like there's something which prevents us from surrendering and I suppose a, it, shame would be part of that um Brody you look like you have thoughts <laughs> yeah I mean I, so it's difficult to answer this for other people because I don't know other people's experience and um, so I can yeah. guess at some stuff but I can reflect on myself as well and things that I've read of, of what other people have said and I think there's this there's this challenge, there's this tension in being honest with God in that um, we want to declare who God is. God, you are good, you are um, all-powerful and whatever. Um, and yet sometimes our experience doesn't match up with that. And you're like, is it okay to say that? Is it okay to tell God, God... I'm not experiencing you as who you say you are. What's that about? Um, because particularly in the tradition that I have grown up in, we have emphasised um, the power of speech, the power of the word. Um, we've emphasised uh, praising God. 
And we have ignored where in Scripture, or downplayed where in Scripture, where there is protest and lament. And quite often, particularly when we go to the Psalms and we look at protest and lament, the psalmist isn't worried about theological accuracy. In fact, quite often the psalmist is theologically wrong, um, but searingly honest. Um, and it's in that searingly honest, um, or being searingly honest before God, that I think we place, in our, place ourselves before God in a place where God can then minister to us and work with us, rather than kind of like presenting a false a, a false image to to God mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's I think that's one of the reasons that we can hold back of can I really say this to God and the answer is is mm -hmm. yes and I think that's that's part of the difference as well between praying publicly and and and, and yeah and coming before God in, in that 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 private place I was just going to say, I think the Psalms are an incredible example of that. And it took me a really long time to understand that there were lines in the Psalms, which they were theologically unsound. Like the, I wasn't reading that line. And then, you know, you can take something out of context and it would sound absolutely terrible when the Psalmists have written certain things. And it took me so long to understand that. But it's so helpful to read the Psalms with that in mind and to know that there is, it's such a powerful place and so often it's a great journey that they go on within the psalm in and of itself and that they start at one place and finish somewhere completely different because in and of itself the, the freedom in being able to be honest allows them to come back to the place where they remember who God truly is. So that feels really helpful. I think the other thing, I think the other thing, Jackie, is it's, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to have an accurate self-perception. So I think when we come to God honestly, um, it's as honest as we can make it. But actually, if somebody told you, well, you're like this or like you're like that, they could show you a side to yourself that you don't really know. And um, so how do we kind of bring bring that to God? And I think that's why, you know, praying in community, being humble enough to, to realise that, we are, um, it, we, we are, we, we are damaged and sinful before God. Without that becoming an overextended um, version of of shame and 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 guilt. So, in the whole process, the the twelve step process of um, freedom from addiction, there's a stage, I think it's stage four, where people talk about taking a fearless moral inventory which is about being radically honest with yourself. Uh, I'm not sure you, how you do that without having other people speak into your life as well. But actually that is a brutally difficult thing to do. So I don't think we should minimize what it means to be honest before God or um, get into a place where we imagine that just because we've said what we've said in our hearts we're actually bringing who we truly are to God because I think we're so self-deceptive I think mm. I think the false self uh, as it is um it's not just something externalized it's something that's internalized so we have a, a wrongful self-perception that you know even in bringing that to God um it is it, it can be deceptive but I think we have to be as honest as we can but I think that whole thing about being being humble, which is where the Beatitudes begin, um, and being humble enough to allow an accurate self-assessment, which might even be to say, you know, something ar you know around our tendency to be self-destructive or self-harming psychologically is actually inappropriate. You know, so um, it's very easy mm -hmm. for us to kind of think of being. Um, honest as just being totally down in ourselves um so I, I i i think it's it is a really tricky thing to be to be honest and i think that requires a bit of humility and a bit of openness to what other people say which is super difficult and it all ties in really well with the pete greg quote that you used on sunday which for anyone who wants who hasn't heard or wants to look up his i think it's like his new year's instagram post which in summary is basically saying that even in Christian circles, we are still kind of 
creating celebrity or looking for success and validation from the world round about us. And his experience more and more is that the people he's attracted to are the people who are genuinely pursuing being more like Jesus. And of course, Jesus is unconcerned with any of those things. Um, and in and of itself, praying with that level of being concerned only about your father, you know, as Rhoda coming back to that Abba moment, that that you're only concerned about Abba and not about the other about the people who surround you. It just it it feels like that's a not insignificant moment, particularly, and I suppose in all times in history, but particularly now where through our Instagram and everything else, we are so concerned by how we are perceived and how, you know, what our snapshots of snapshots of life look like. And in reality, prayer is requiring of us to be um, authentically connected to our Father. I, I totally get what you're... Brody's thinking yeah, again. <laughs> no, so I totally get what you're saying, Jackie, of, um, yeah, prayer is our primary focus is, is God. But we are concerned about the people around about us. It's how we're concerned that makes all the difference. Um, because one of the the challenging things in our individualized culture about the Lord's Prayer is it's all our, you know, it's our Father. So it's not just my Father. And it's give us today our daily bread. So it's not just about my needs, but it's about the needs of others as well. So we're concerned not about how we appear or what success criteria there is, but we're concerned for the welfare of, for the spiritual growth of those around us, of the community that we uh, belong to. And one of the things that prayer does is it changes us, it forms something in us. So again, back to this isn't just uh, words to speak to God, but in some respects is a a rule of life or a, a shape of of life of it helps turn ourselves from just being inwardly focused to outwardly focused um, uh, as as well. So yes, our focus is God, but there are others involved in that. But it's not from that oh look at me um, or elevating ourselves, but a uh, helps shape within us a, an empathy, a concern, a connectedness. Um, uh, for for others as we as we uh, pray, and I find just one of the exciting things about this is, do you know what? When we when we pray this, we are joining through time and history, and currently with millions of other people, of you know the, just the the, the 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 sense and the idea of connectedness. Of I am not on my own when I pray this. Um, I am with. A, a heavenly host of, of, of saints um, here on earth. Now, I had plans to write a long and wordy introduction introducing us to, you know, with salutations and felicitations and using Roman numerals for uh, 2024 and all the rest of it, just as a pastiche of the next uh, point that was made on Sunday, which is to keep it simple. But instead of that, I'll read this little quote, which probably sums it up. The Lord's Prayer is 66 words. The Gettysburg Address is 286 words. There are 1,322 words in the Declaration of Independence, but government regulations on the sale of cabbage total 26,911 words. So keep it simple, stupid. And I did think you were kind of going for your whole sermon as to how many rock and roll bands could you get in because I've had the Eagles, Bon Jovi, Kiss. There's a reference to ABBA later on as well. I thought we were just playing rock and roll bingo. But uh, tell us about why simplicity is particularly noted as we go into the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I think there has been this pattern, hasn't there, of of human beings appealing to God or to the gods um, through all sorts of incantation. That's been so much part of our history that if you just get the right collection of 
magic words or salutations, then you kind of tip the scales in your favour. Uh, and that's a, a cultural pattern. Uh, it's a, a religious pattern. Um, it was a political pattern. I think I made a reference to how the Caesars liked it to get addressed. Um, and I think... You know, if, if you are, um, I remember going to a church once um, where they had the, uh, the notices at one point and the guy doing the notices, every time somebody had a qualification, um, you know, BSc, BD, DIP, whatever, um, that was that was placed after their, their name. And I mean, it, it became both humorous and exhausting after a bit of time. But there is something about built into us human beings that we're kind of validated by these titles and um you know awards and and here jesus is just really cutting across that and really cutting into the fact that um we have this incredible privilege of being able to walk into god's presence not on the basis of title or incantation but just simply on the basis of what has been done for us in christ in this new and living way that's been opened up so it's all about access, accessibility um, to to God. Um, is it a, more of a Western issue nowadays than elsewhere? I have not a great deal of experience, but are there other cult, Christian cultures that find some of these things easier than we do in like the Western? world of christianity like we might find it really difficult to take time out to pray but the our african or south american or eurasian brothers and sisters find that less difficult because i don't know they're not always running around like headless chickens whereas we find it easier to be more simple i don't think we do but it is there in in the wide world do we notice different cultural edges to the things we find more or less difficult in terms of fulfilling these kind of guidelines as to how we should pray nope <laughs> <laughs> i think that's I'm, that's beyond our experience richard uh, yeah <laughs> i think we need to go on a global expedition to confirm okay, that's your, fine um, the gofundme page is opening now yeah. <laughs> well can i can i add a wee bit to, to richard's thing of um, so going back to where we were kind of like in December and before of, um, you know, the book of Revelation reminding us that we're in a spiritual battle of, you know, one of the, the obstacles, hurdles to pray is, and this is global, worldwide, doesn't matter what culture you're in, is it, it can be a spiritual battle to to persist in prayer, to, to come to God in prayer. Um, and the first step of the battle is is saying, hello God, <laughs> you know, is, is, is starting. Um, uh, so, you know, I think um, when we consider of, you know, why, why sometimes is it difficult to pray? It isn't just busyness or, or cultural factors. There's, there's a spiritual element to, to, to this as well. Um, and that's why we need to encourage each other. And that's where kind of like actually, you know, setting aside, um, uh, you know, uh, or developing a rhythm of prayer, you know, where we, we, we pray at certain times can can be helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a battle for everyone, I think. I think if, when we go back to the simplicity point, what's interesting is that you noted on Sunday, Ian, that he calls God Father three times in the, in this text. Um but the, you're wondering about the familiarity of us saying father having lost its value. But yet, and the sort of the contrast of that would be if we were to use a big sort of fancy name, then it would, you know, would take us forever long to say or whatever. But I, I wonder if that then would, or we assume that that would then make us pay attention more when in reality we're using the word father and we're thinking about it so in such a familiar way. Have have we undervalued what that actually means for us? Well, well, let me speak for myself. Um, I I think in my journey there have been times where I've thought that God would work if I used the correct language. Um, and I remember a particular 
incident where, um, for, I mean, the first couple of times I'd really prayed for anybody for healing, um, actually saw something quite remarkable happening. And in one particular incident, there was somebody else there who seemed to have, um, I mean, somebody I, I love dearly, who had all the the right language appeared to me, you know, kind of was saying the right things and saying the right way and, you know, was articulating um, all sorts of prayers in and around the subject, <laughs> which was actually quite, ultimately quite simple. And, and I didn't know what I should pray at all. And there's only so many ways you can say, you know, it would be quite nice, God, if that issue was resolved. Um, and so that was all I kind of prayed. And, and this particular individual saw something quite remarkable happening in, in their life. And, and it wasn't through the many words. And there's some situations where, you know, we don't have the words. I, I mean, we're praying for kind of geopolitical situations. And quite honestly, you know, I haven't a clue how some of these things need to operate. That's not the point. Um, something I found really helpful uh, that someone said at one point is that, that prayer can often be like a hammer that's hitting on a nail. Now, there's nothing particularly complex about repeating a kind of hit of a hammer on a nail. It might be more interesting and more kind of creative to hit the hammer front on, side on, you know, do a little bit of a swing and then put it on. And, and that, that you know, kind of, you know, we might find more more interesting, but but the simplicity is just to continue persisting in a in a very simple simple prayer, and oftentimes I think we just need to get out of this perception that there is some that that God hears us because of the um, the complexity or the particular articulation of a prayer. Um, it's this in certain my testimony would be my most effective praying in my life has been the simplest praying yeah and I think that's interesting because it it speaks to in some ways whether Jesus or whether the disciples asking the question in the first place or Jesus response being such as it was and the setup being such as it was because we have this wrongful correlation between what we perceive as our answered prayer and how we prayed and particularly healing being one of those examples, like they're, you know, if it's not worked, did I not say it right? Did I not, did I not X, Y, or Z? And this sort of fearful thing in our heads, which makes us think there's something formulaic. And if the prayer wasn't answered the way we expected, or if, if we have not perceived the answer that we have wanted, does it therefore mean that we didn't get it right, say it right, whatever. And obviously Jesus is completely debunking all of that and saying, no, is my interpretation. <laughs> I think the simplicity is related to the honesty as well of, um, there's, you know, when we meet somebody we're unsure of or, or don't know, quite often we can be kind of like guarded or careful with our language. And, you know, I'm, when I speak with Alison, my wife, of, do you know what, I can relax, I can be simple, I can just, I don't need to get my words right. Um, you know, at times we can complete each other's sentences, you know, you, you know what that is, is like, of, but I can just be really real and therefore simple and also non-manipulative. So, you know, I think there's that danger, isn't there, that, you know, we think if we say the words in the right way, then we get, you know, God will do what we want. <laughs> That's not actually the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not getting God to do what we want, but us coming in line with what God wants. Um, so we can't manipulate God. Uh, so let's just keep it keep it simple um, and... And and that's that's okay. And I think that's a challenge for us in, in public praying of um you know, you don't need to be articulate. There are times even now, you know, when I have to pray at church and I feel like a bumbling, inarticulate whatever. And that's okay. I mean I shouldn't feel that way, but it's okay for me not to be eloquent. Um a Although in one sense I'm speaking on behalf of everybody, so there's a certain responsibility. Um, but our, our public prayers don't need to be 
works of literal literary art, um, I think just keep it simple. If your prayer's two or three sentences or words long, then that's that's great. I think Jackie, one of the first lessons I learned in praying for other people, particularly in public, was get over yourself. It's actually not about you. <laughs> Uh, and once you get over yourself or, or around yourself, it, it liberates you to pray. Um, and I think sometimes you're not you're not even praying words. You're just kind of positionally being not even a conduit for the spirit, but you're just simply almost standing with people and inviting God to work. So it's not quite that you're an observer but that I don't even know how to kind of describe this but I think you're working with God for his agenda and actually almost what you say doesn't really matter because you're facilitating something happening that God is God is doing the fact that you are praying is labeling what's happening as God at work so you're calling out that this is actually God who's doing something um, and you're representing that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to label what is happening by the way that you have prayed for something, which is where I think something like tongues is, is actually appropriate because you're not making an agenda of the prayer. You're not projecting what you think will be the answer, but you are declaring that this is something that God is God is doing. Um, and of course, that's quite humbling as well, um, or it should be. Well, final point from Sunday was about praying intimately, and you actually highlighted our beaming team uh, <laughs> on on Sunday from the platform. Beaming for those who are not invested in Queen's Park. Baptist Culture is the AV team or the, the V part of the e AV team. Are you aware that they have a slogan? No. Do you know, this is a whole world which has its own language, <laughs> uh, it, its own uh, internal conversation. So what, what is the slogan, Richard? So the, the slogan is to project and serve as a pastiche of the LA police departments. <laughs> <laughs> what they have written in the side of their cars. So I've threatened one or two of them to buy T-shirts that just say to project and serve on the side of it, which I think would be quite cool. I think like you know, gig T-shirts uh, would be quite would be quite a nice feature. Well, that's good because I I actually have a song for them as well. All right, okay. Um, so um, it's Jesus Are you wants sing me for it. it. No, Are you but I'll sing give it or just tell us the title. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Jesus wants me for his sunbeam. I'll be a beamer <laughs> for him. <laughs> we'll try and find a YouTube clip to play out with today. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So, what was your focus in terms of this final point about praying uh, intimately and keeping it close? I think it comes back to really where we started, um, and maybe the best way just to crystallise it is is a quotation from from Charles Spurgeon, the the Baptist, the Victorian Baptist preacher, and he he said if somebody should ask me for an abstract for a summary of the christian faith i would say that it is prayer if i should be asked what will take in the whole of christian experience i should answer prayer so prayer is living jesus life it is connecting conversing with the supernatural life of god in christ day by day so I think we just kind of want to boil it down to this is not something apart. This is our breath. This is how we live our lives in God, conversing with him, seeking him, bringing his presence into uh, our present. So I hope that kind of summarizes it in some kind of a way. Hmm. I was just going to say, I feel you should context now the, the use of explaining the Beamers thing, the point of it being that there is internal language or there is language which is understood between yeah, people I think, and QP yeah. about what a beamer is. Yeah, to be fair, I just wrote down I just wrote down good stories to tell here and forgot to write the actual point down. <laughs> <laughs> and now you, now you need to work out what the story was. But for, yes. for, for those people who are already confused by our internal language, um, <laughs> that's exactly the point, that yeah. communities and churches have their internal language. And I remember coming to Queen's Park 
and um, there was quite a bit of jargon, I'm sure there still is, um, which was new to me and which I didn't quite um, comprehend. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and one of those expressions was was the beamers and the people who yeah. were beaming, you know, and people in the gallery were beaming, which, you know, sounded yeah. quite kind of interesting to me. I wanted to kind of know whether that rep was represented by their shiny, happy faces. Um, <laughs> so, it, but, you know, for people who were in the inside, it completely made sense and mm. didn't require any explanation or translation to those of us who are on the outside. And there's a bunch of other words, but that that was I, that was my yeah. word. Um, and it kind of was, um, it, it, I was really reminded of it cause, because one of our leaders sent a message during the week saying, I'll be beaming this week, uh -huh. uh, which I thought was... Uh, uh, which also referred to the fact that he would be supervising the audiovisual projection, uh, uh -huh. which is actually much harder to say than beaming. Um, <laughs> but just out of con out of context, it sounded like, "Oh, that's great! I'm I'm delighted that this week you're going to be beaming. <laughs> oh, you're beaming every day of the week and in every place that you go." Yeah, I would love one of those beamers the next time somebody says SLT down the front to just project behind them a little asterisk to senior leadership team. There you go. Uh, <laughs> But beaming's beaming's also quite uh, it's a it's a it's a distraction, but it's an interesting word because I don't know an airshirt if you have a beamer, and I don't mean BMW. Does that mean anything to you? It means you're embarrassed. Embarrassed. Yeah. There you go. There's some Scottishization for those international listeners about what a beamer is. Good stuff, Brody. Any final thoughts on on that in terms of intimacy and praying intimately? It, it, I mean, it, it just so dovetails in what we've already been speaking about of that honesty and simplicity um, you know with those that we are close with we're able to be honest and and uh, uh, keep things simple and that applies to how we come to to father god and i think the encouraging thing is that this prayer um says that that's okay you know mm. we don't need all these fancy words bells and whistles have everything in line we don't need to and we we can just come to God and we have this scaffold for how to 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 do that in this honest, simple, intimate way. Good stuff. Well, I know it is your favourite part of the show, and you've had all Christmas to work on it, and to overload on chocolates and television and all the rest of it, and books and music and everything else. But we're going to get before we finish off a wee cultural recommendation. Something away from the topic of today's podcast. So who wants to go first? Brody, you look rearing and ready to go. Oh, I'm trying to think, have I done anything cultural? Um, <laughs> so, uh, Pantomime will count. I've not been to pantomime for, for years, was traumatised as a kid. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> um, one of Alison's uh, cousins is a musician and he gave us some free tickets to go to a gig that he was playing in. So Alison and I yep. went I, I, to Skipnish. We felt really out of place because everybody else knew every single word of the songs. And we didn't. Can I just say from the back of the corn halls, the drummer looked like David Robertson. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was really that was that was fun to go and see you uh, and play. And uh, I now have a uh, purchased a Skipnish album that I can kind of Very like good. enjoy. Good stuff. Well, we'll link it here so that they can get additional clicks on their YouTube page or whatever. Ian. Yeah, I'm going to go for the, the reading, if that's okay. Um, I've been uh, diving into a couple of books that have absolutely nothing to do with the podcast, but uh, a couple of, rec well, one's a recommendation, the other one you find difficult to get a hold of. Um, but I've been reading um, Do No Harm uh, by Henry Marsh, which mm. is the story of uh, brain surgery. Yeah. So if you want to get deep into the brain and the stresses and pressures of being a medic who is, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing brain surgery. It's a good book. <laughs> so highly recommend that. Recommended by a doctor to me. Um, but um, yeah, it certainly put me off having brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as you're about to sign up. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely not be signing up, I think. <laughs> and you're difficult to get. Uh, difficult to get is the uh, biography of my great uncle, 
um, by um, Scottish evangelist D.P. Thompson. So I've been digging into my family history, um, discovering that my family were deeply involved with something called the Glasgow um, Evangelistic, Glasgow Students Evangelistic Union in the mm. 1920s. Um, and it was most celebrated for being the organisation that promoted the mission activities of one Eric Little. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's it's been interesting. So my my great uncle was um, Church of Scotland minister in the nineteen twenties, thirties, and forties, and it follows his ministries in um, Perthshire, Aberdeenshire, Glasgow, uh, and the Isle of Mull, and it's just. It's just really interesting um, finding cool. out a little bit of your family heritage. That is very cool. It yeah, is. It's not bad. It's not too shabby. So I have a very and cool. I have a signed copy, signed a by signed the copy. author. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> Great stuff, Jack. I don't think we can beat that. That feels like the coolest one. Um, fair, there's a there's a, a couple, there's a couple of, of biographies I suspect on your grandfather kicking about somewhere, but that's a for a different podcast. Oh, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, my couple of things would be the Bible Project's new series for 2024, or certainly the beginning of it, is their deep diving the Sermon on the Mount. And I just had a little chuff moment on when I listened to the first episode because Tim Mackey referenced the theologian Scott McKnight. And, and I was like, yay, Scott! Felt like we were best buddies. So <laughs> that was just a fun one. Uh, and uh, the other thing was that you and I have watched a documentary on Netflix called You Are What You Eat Twin Study. I am currently and a Ferrero Rocher. Study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard is currently a Ferrero Rocher, no question. Um, it's they do a study in twins, 21 sets of twins. They follow four of them um, and they put one twin on a plant based diet and one on a healthy omnivores diet and they compare a number of things. And it's fascinating. It is very American focused because. Sorry to say, I mean, people know this anyway, but the American diet is much more poor, like their standards for meat and so on production and things and what chemicals they put in processed foods are much greater than ours so it's 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 different because it is skewed towards the things that happen in american food as opposed to ours but it's fascinating cool good stuff i'll give you a quick two uh, a little documentary film called hired gun seems we've had so many music references this is about uh the backing musicians that tour around with various bands and the kind of session musicians quite interesting and a little instagram account to keep an eye on if you're into Instagram at all, it's called Religion Business. I think we'll be seeing something interesting coming from that. Uh, it's just a, I think 2024 is going to be a year of accountability, it would seem. Uh, so uh, uh, an interesting Instagram account to keep an eye on. So that is it from us, other than to get one final thought. Jack, final thought? I mean, my, my highlight phrase for the podcast has been hypo hypocrisy is not a lifestyle choice, which I just think is a great line, Ian. And I, and I do feel like that should be like a poster somewhere because um, it's it, it's really making me... to project and serve and hypocrisy is not a lifestyle choice on the other side. It's really making me think. It's really making me think. Um, but just my other, I suppose my other final comment would be that I know that in recent years I have found the Lord's Prayer super helpful when I have not known how to pray. And it's been my genuine, genuine experience that I have used it when I kind of didn't know what else to say. And yeah, so I'm quite excited for this series. Be good, Brody. So you were asking about uh, how people from other cultures approach this. So one of the things I do when I try to read is to read people from other cultures. So Justo El Gonzalez is a Cuban theologian. He's been based in the States for quite a long time. And he wrote a book called Teaches to Pray the Lord's Prayer in the Early Church and Today. And I just love the kind of like the first words in his uh, introduction to that book. Prayer is the very heart of Christian life. It's through prayer that we communicate with God. And often it is also through prayer that God communicates with us. Prayer isn't only about speaking, but it's also about listening. Not only about asking, but also about yielding. Not only about meditation, but also praise. Not only a practice, but also a mystery. Not only a devotion, but also a ministry. Great stuff. And Ian, you preach it, so you get the final word? Yeah, a little test me and then a word. Um, there was a point in 
my life, our lives, we were going through a very difficult time. Um, and to some degree, I think we were responsible or culpable for the difficulty uh, we'd caused some of it ourselves. And we ended up um, in a service in Durham Cathedral. And we were invited to speak a number of words, including the words of confession. And there is something about being forced to pray what doesn't um, arise from your heart, but actually provoke something in your heart that is really transformative. So I would say to people, particularly those of you who go, I don't like praying somebody else's prayer, or I don't like praying something that looks like it's a rote kind of thing, or I prayed this prayer at school and it just seems to be superficial words. Uh, just to encourage people to allow the prayer to pray you and to give a, a, a bash because we talked about it being a spiritual gymnasium and I think we all have particular parts of our souls that need a bit of exercise. So get some exercise in the new year, uh, exercise your whole spirit and soul and the Lord's Prayer is a great way to do that. Good stuff. Well, thank you all listeners for joining us and you know what? Next week we might actually speak about the Lord's Prayer itself. So tune in again then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.